It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning, everybody. It is the Blue Room, and it's time for another one of our Blue Room Extra Previews. Here at the end of another busy week for the Blues, but one which is ultimately not yielded. A new centre forward, but does end with a big game on Saturday against Nottingham Forest at Goodison Park. Huge one that, and uh, we've been all over it this week. And uh, there's a little bit of a sample of what we've been doing. Uh, three shows sampled today. Uh, the first one is from our Subs Weekly podcast, where I was joined by Dave Downey and Ryan Reynolds. That was a conversation we had about Deli Ali amid his apparently impending move to Turkey. Uh, later in the week I also spoke to Rob Vera about Everton's transfer, lack of activities as you call it, on the transfer podcast and we started off the show by speaking about whether we were concerned by how late Everton had left the business and finally I spoke to Matt Davis who covers Nottingham Forest over at the Nottingham Post and hosts the Garibaldi podcast to find out what's been going on there and what has been an extremely eventful summer for them. I think the deal for Morgan Gibbs-White that's going to go through today for £44.5 million is going to be their 16th signing of the summer ahead of this weekend. So plenty going on. As ever, just a reminder, if you want to join us over on the Blue Room Extra, it's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. The links to all these shows to listen in full are in the description. And yeah, hopefully we'll see you over there. Works out around about a pound a week. You can cancel it whenever you'd like. And going into the new season, going into the end of the transfer window, it is the absolute best time to subscribe. So it's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. Links in the description there if you want to click and listen to any of these shows and get access to a whole mountain of extra content as well. So hopefully we'll see you over there. And in the meantime, hope you enjoy these segments from the shows you've been doing this week. Well, it was like he was a partner of Kane. It was always Delhi and Kane are going to leave Spurs. Um, you'd see it in all sorts of media that it was them two going to PSG after Pochettino went over there, Matt, as well. Um, I know that didn't work out in the end over there, like, but you know, um, I just remember the goal he scored, funnily enough, against Palace for Spurs. It's a magic goal, you'd see it so easily if you search for it on Twitter, where he sort of flicks it over his head and then volleys it into the bottom corner. I looked at that and I thought, wow, look at this kid and how good he is. If you told me at that time that he'd be at Everton seven years later, I'd have said, no, absolutely no chance unless he's had a failed career. And that, that's right, I don't know where we've been, become amazing with Farmer Sheeran's money. 
Yeah, well, exactly. It'd either be that, it'd either be Everton have become really, really good on a Champions League side, which obviously was going to be unlikely, uh, or he's sort of, like you say, someone had chewed him up and spat him out. I think he's been guilty of that himself as well at times. Um, and he's one of the he's one of the few that have come to us who I've been desperate for it to work for him. Um, I think remembering feeling the same when Adam Lennon came as well. Um, when when we've signed players who, who, who just look that close to being top class, but then sadly, like I say, there's a reason. I don't mean to slag us off, but there's a reason why they've ended up at Everton. Who, who, you know, when we have been a bit of a show for a very long time, I've been certainly under under Farad Mashiri for the most part. Um, and at each time, I'd, and to be fair, you know, he's I think he's played thirteen games for us. Um, Couple of, most of them are on be- off, off the bench, aren't they, as well? Oh, uh, on, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm thinking, has he been given a fair crack of the whip? I don't know. Clearly, I think Frank Lampard isn't the kind of manager who would just naturally say, no, you're not starting and, and sort of push him out of things a little bit. I think they'll have been... And look, I'm only, I'm only saying this in my own opinion. I've not heard anything or we haven't seen anything of this, but... It looks to me, even even down to the body language you see from him in particular, I look and think, does it look like he he's just essentially just just going through the milieu of issues that he's had that he's ended up at Everton that he's not really asked and he just wants to win in the wages that he needs to win at the level of football that he's always been for his entire career. Well, you go back to that Spurs documentary, don't you? And you you, you saw it on that. You know, well, the clip with Mourinho has done the, the rounds, hasn't it, on Twitter? Yeah. Um, again, something that's gone a bit viral as well. And look, I, I hate to to stereotype and just throw a player like that into a pigeonhole and say that's exactly what he's like, but it is difficult to see that he's changed um, because he's got he's got every talent he wants. We've seen that before. He's got everything you could want as a young, relatively young English midfielder who's got the world at the feet. Um, yet. Things just just haven't worked for him. Towards the end of his time at, at Spurs, it looked like a bit of a false dawn, didn't it? it? Looked like he was actually getting things together, looking decent. Then for him end up at us. I mean, I could, you could only see it now, couldn't you? When he's talking to his friends or his family, saying that he's going to Everton. I bet you get a few of them going, "No, what are you doing that for? You know, why aren't you staying down?" It's because he's coming from London as well and all that sort of sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, if he was to go to take it, it looks like, I think from the reports I've seen, certainly uh, working at the BBC as well, the, the reports that I've seen so far is that it, it's initially it's going to be a loan. I'm not sure what help that does to any of us, really. Um, only him, it's another, it's another, you know, a different track he's going to walk down if he goes there on loan. Everton financially, what does that get him off? The, the wages books for a while. That's the only thing, really. Um, there's clearly, I don't know about what you think about this, both of you, I'd be really interested to find this out. Do you think, had the appointment of him, um, the signing of him from Spurs, not been the situation it's been in, in, in the agreements, as in 10 games we've pay money, 20 games, we pay money, it's X amount of million of pounds and whatnot. Do you think we'd have seen him more if that wasn't the case? I know that sounds quite quite cynical, but that's the way I feel. I, I think we'd have seen him more, maybe even start more games 
had that not been part of how he signed for us, that quite quite remarkable circumstance in which he signed for us and how it's how it all comes to pass that we have to pay a certain amount after a certain amount of it's a very particular um and quite complicated form of how you sign a player. I'm thinking that there's part of that, or certainly I hope not in, in terms of how uh, Frank Lampard thinks of it, but something that will have been said to both the player and Lampard that will only play him if you know he's going to be really good for us, basically. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what you think, Ryan, but it, it, I imagine it's one of them that people are sort of judged to as they went. You know, he came in and looked hungry and, and fit and started well. Then I imagine, you know, paying 10 million after 20 games wouldn't have been a problem if you're scoring goals and look like he was going to be part of the team. But is there a pressure straight away from that, though, Matt? Do you think? Certainly for him, obviously, to perform. No, I don't think so. I think, you know, I think when we signed him, the, the one thing that people said about this deal and why it was so good was that, well, if, if he comes in and it's awful, we can get rid of him for, for nothing in the summer and we're not have paid anything apart from his wages. And that that's why at the time we all thought it was a, a good sign and, and it made a lot of sense. I think initially there's some reports about paying 20 million for him outright and we all kind of winced. But but this way, you know, Everton effectively now are, are reaping the rewards for doing quite a smart, structured deal. I mean, I, I don't know what you think on, on that one, Ryan. I think if we'd paid a fee up front, he'd still be in the squad this season. I don't think we'd be looking to loan him out or sell him. Um, I think it's more the case of when they when they did the deal, obviously there wasn't going to be enough games in the season to pay it, you know, that season anyway. So I think in, you know, trying to put my um, Frank Lampard, Bill Kenwright hat on that maybe they thought, well, I can't remember how many games he had left. Say it was 18 games last season. We'll get him integrated into the squad. He can have an impact you know, he'll start some, he'll come off the bench on some, then he'll hit the summer running and he'll be, you know, prime Dali Alley that can, you know, rip the league apart. And for whatever reason, you know, they've they've figured it out that he, he's not probably not going to hit that ceiling. Um, and then it comes to the point where you're like, well, in seven games time, it's going to cost us 10 million pounds regardless. Do we see that as value for money? And quite clearly they've said, no, we can spend 10 million pounds in on someone better. Um, and I think that's what's led us to where we are today. And let's not forget as well the circumstances in which he, he signed for Everton. You know, it, it was at that point where Vitor Pereira was ringing up Sky Sports, basically doing a job interview for himself. You know, we didn't have a director of football at, at the club then. You know, the, the club, you know, were holding free interviews at Farhad Mashiri's house in London, you know, in, in, and telling everybody about it before they got the job. Lampard was appointed pretty much, I think, I think the day of the, the final day of the transfer window. And Everton were announcing Ali then as well. And it, based on the report at the time, it sounded like Lampard really wanted Van der Beek. But Everton just sort of made a move for Ali because he was available and Spurs were trying to get rid of him and he, he sort of did this deal. So I'd, you sort of look at that and go, well, who actually wanted him then? You know, was it the owner? Was it the chairman? Had Lampard sort of briefed it in, in the interviews he'd done? So, you know, I want I want this player through the door. But you, you look at look at that and look at how mad Everton's January was and you think about El Ghazi, Van der Beek, um, losing games left, right and centre, all this this noise around the football club, you know, spray painting on Gunnison, you know, protests outside. The club was a madhouse then. And I think to sort of come in in that environment probably hasn't helped me either, but you just sort of get the sense from watching him and seeing him in the flesh that it just it's, it's just looks like someone's just sort of 
you know, popped him a little bit in the air. She's come out of him as a footballer. I th- I think it's I think it's it's unfair, and I, I, a lot of people won't let me saying this. I think it's unfair on him the way in which that move uh, come about and the way in which they agree the deal on those things happening because it puts a lot of pressure on a player that had been through a rigmarole that we've mentioned um, during this time at Spurs. Yes, it looked like he was on his way back. Um, if that was the case, then Spurs certainly wouldn't want to be getting rid of him. I think the way. Um, Levy is as well. Uh, it just it seems to me you can see it from so far away that this is such a concoction from Ken Wright and Levy that that basically gets spares the way they want it. Um, and it it it's it's been, what, it, it, what pressure do you, what pressure do you think it put on him in what in what sense you mean? The, the, the pressure is that he's not when when you sign a footballer and so like. For instance, let's say we've got uh, Onana in right now, yeah? Comes in at us. How often, and, and this is this is a cliche that everybody comes out with when you sign a player that's not played in the Premier League before or being um, somebody that's a young player, they would say he needs time to bed in. He needs time to get his feet to the into the ground and, and properly be able to become a decent player for us. Um, that happens with every single transfer that goes to every single football club. That is a comment most people make. It's a cliche. Um, to simply be able to say to somebody who's left spares, who've had all sorts of different things going on in, in recruitment themselves and managers leaving, um, for him to leave somewhere that he was so used to, he was there for so long as well, and the prodigy of being a top-class well, a, a world-class international footballer at Spurs to have sort of stepped so far out of favour with, with Wilders at Spurs and then being sent somewhere where they've immediately said to him, well, you know, you're not going to be playing unless you do well almost immediately. And that's when Everton are going to have to pay money for you if you play well. I think that's harsh. I think, um, yeah. I think what it comes down to is, do you feel like our margins for error are as thin as last season? Okay. Now, granted, we were in denial for a lot of the first part of the season that this was going to be, you know, we were headed towards a relegation uh, battle. Um, I think our eyes are wide open now, but I also tend to think that we are, um, not and and not even a great striker, Matt. Like I don't think we are. We need a great striker. I think we are a an a, a average to above average striker away from the fourteenth place finish that we all kind of expect this season, right? Like a you know a somewhat uninspiring but safe season. Um, and so. And again, I could be naive. I, I could be wrong on that. But I, I, I do think that I think primarily my faith in that is because our the center of our defense is, um, you know, yet to be seen with Cody, uh, especially if we at any point play in a four. Um, I know what the manager says, but it'll be interesting to see what we do there. But in general, just with Tarkovsky uh, and, and him being fit, even if he's even if he's just his normal kind of above average to good self. Um, and he plays 32, 35 games, uh, which for him, that'd be kind of on the low end. Um, that gives me some, uh, some 
faith. Um, the midfield uh, will yet to be seen, but you got to admit with Onana and Gay coming in, it's already just just with those two moves, it's already better than any central midfield combination we had to roll out there last season. And so, I uh, yes, the Richarlison thing, et cetera. This is certainly not a squad that's going to get anyone dreaming of Europe. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the case. And if we were, then I think this problem of dropping these games early matters almost more, just because then you're then you're thinking, oh gosh, that that's we, we miss out on sixth or seventh place because the we kind of conceded these early games. I mean, Chelsea, we were probably not favored to get anything from to begin with. Away at Villa, given our recent uh, history, uh, away away at Villa Park. I mean, I anywhere, can't say, I, really. yeah, I, or anywhere, but but especially there. Like, I can't say I'm shocked by that. But to that point, um, you know, if 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 the manager can, and, and I guess he knows more than we do about the fitness of players. I, I just think he needs to let go of whatever this thing is that keeps him from just starting Rondon. Uh, you know, hopefully you start him and then you never have to start him again after you get a, you know, a couple strikers in. But I think he's got to start at the weekend, even if he can only play 60 minutes. Uh, it's just too much time wasting in a game not to have a striker out there. And you saw the the improvement in Everton once he came on um, and once Onana came on. I, I, I think that for this season, um, if you're like me and you think that this is a club that um, – the value of this season is not about the play, the finishing place in the table, but about development and about taking steps forward that you don't see maybe in the standings per se, but you do see in terms of the development of players that will be part of something that matters next season and the seasons beyond, then I think you probably tend to think, all right, let's get this right. Um, and now, what is getting it right? I think that's up for debate. Um, I it, it seems like the club, and tell me if you think differently, I don't know that I necessarily agree with the club, but it sure does feel like they are holding on for as long as possible for Armando Brogia. Um, whether you agree with that or not, it feels like they are trying to, that they could have pushed the button and signed uh, you know, a striker at any time over the last week or two, but that they're kind of thinking, and I still think that they are trying to sign more than one attacking player because um, this team needs goals. Um, I think there's a reason they were linked with Morgan Gibbs white, for instance, before the Gordon thing. And so I think, uh, you know, players like that. So I, I, I tend to think, and now you hear, you hear the the stuff about uh, Ismail Yassar from, from Watford and you hear, you know, you're, you're hearing about like, it looks like a combo of a wing and a striker coming in. I mean, who knows, but the bottom line is, is that it feels like they're holding out for the, their best possible, um, their best possible outcome, which I don't necessarily hate that idea because this is a long season. Um, what complicates all this, Matt, is, um, and, and this can be a good complication because suddenly you have more resources to play with, but, um, what is the, the resolution of the Anthony Gordon situation? Um, 
uh, I, you heard Mark and I talk about this on kick about this week. I think we're both uh, at a certain price. I think it's for us, it's a bit of a no brainer, but um, it becomes, that becomes far less of a muddied argument. The closer we get to the end of the window, because uh, I, I don't, that deal can't be getting done uh, two days before the end of the window, unless Everton already have the replacement lined up and ready to spend that money. But that's a that's a dangerous game to play. So all these things, and then we haven't even mentioned Delhi to Delhi to Turkey. Um, you know, as part of the equation of of money and and how that affects things, this can be a very good into the window. But it feels like uh, the time for the ramp up is over, and the time for pushing all those buttons we talk about is now. Yeah, if, if we, we've got to the point where we've got to start setting deadlines on various things, haven't we? You know, you mentioned that, Nicole, yeah. and uh, you know, if this if this goes on, like you said, into to, to the final days of the window, Everton have surely got to get to a point where it's like, no, that's it. Yeah. No, regardless of whatever whatever we think in terms of value and, and all those kind of things, he is a member of the first team squad. And if Everton let him go that late in the window and they're not convinced they can replace him, then he's, he's got to stay, hasn't he? You know, that's, mm-hmm. that, that's sort Agreed. of where we're at. But I think what I'm really interested in buying, and I hope this situation doesn't materialise, obviously, but is if Everton was to struggle on Saturday and maybe play out the turgid draw or, or lose, I think all of a sudden then the ground becomes quite rife for them to panic, I think. And mm. I think I think you know we can sit here now, and I think me and you probably would say we're quite happy with the business that's been done so far in the main. Yeah. Albeit there's one glaring omission. I think it's been sensible by and large. They made some smart moves in regards to you know loans and free transfers. They spent money on young Stokes. He's got loads of potential. You know, Nana McNeil's not really shown it yet, but you know I think there's there's obviously hopes for him as well. But two games, yeah, yeah. But I think I think there's. I think that's going to be a test for Everton in, in, in a way. If people to struggle on Saturday, it gets a little bit, you know, people are a bit unhappy. Maybe they struggle in attack again. Then do they, can they maintain the heads and, and keep being sensible with the business? Or do mm. we go back into that mold, or sorry, that, that mode rather, which we've been in at the end of so many transfer windows, even going back to the last one where we signed, and where are Garzi? We signed Deli Ali, we signed Donny van der Beek when we didn't actually have a director of football or a manager in place at the time. So it's, I, I think that's, I don't know that it goes that bad, but yeah, I guess it's, it's a it, legit concern. Though. But, but, you know, you can, you can almost feel how it would unravel, can't you? Because we, we, we've been there before. You know, it feels, obviously we don't know this, but it feels like Kevin Falwell has given, been given a lot more autonomy to just go and get the players he wants because there's obviously yeah. links to a lot of those players. Um, but it certainly feels like he's the one who is directing the football as the director of football now. And maybe there's yeah. a bit less influence from the manager, maybe a bit less influence from from the owner. And I just I just don't know if that'll continue. Everton were to have another couple of bad results before the, the end of the window and the signings haven't come in. Like I, I was like I said, I don't want it to happen, but I'll be sort right. of intrigued to see if they could keep the call or if they will keep the call in, in those situations, if, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's honestly this whole power dynamic has been the most fascinating development of the summer for me in some ways in terms of the big picture. Um, you can't I I've in the last several years, I don't know that it's been more clear to me 
who is largely responsible for the players being acquired uh, than what we've seen this summer. I, you know, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Uh, now, granted, I, 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 Dwight McNeil, we had been interested in before. Um, so, but, but the, but all the reporting talked about, um, you know, his, his Kevin Thelwell being pretty involved in, in um, the way in which deals were structured. And really, frankly, the, whether it was Vinagre or the fact that there's been interest in Gibbs White, the Connor Cody thing, uh, Onana certainly had Kevin Thelwell's uh, fingerprints all over it. Um, I think that it's pretty clear to see that um, from a, I guess you call it like a poker playing uh, straight face standpoint, that that long period of inactivity of the summer that always drives us crazy uh, was actually for a purpose this season was waiting for prices to get to where he wanted for certain players uh, and for certain situations to develop. Um, I think that's, I think that that's somewhat admirable now. Um, all of that will be for not if uh, a striker isn't brought. I, I, by the way, I, I don't, I think that there's really no chance that a striker isn't brought in before the end of the window. I think that you have your, I think he feels with the time left, he still has a chance at his number one target. And he's also, and, and if you want to look at this in a glass is half full kind of way, all of these, these links, these, especially even if you want to dismiss some of the less credible ones, let's just go with the more, the most credible ones. I think that you can absolutely say, and we've seen the reporting to back it up that the links to Shea Adams and to uh, Brereton Diaz, those are, those are real links. Um, and so it, it almost feels like, and I know this is a word that we're not used to hearing when it comes to the Everton director of football, but it almost seems like he has lined up a contingency plan in case his number one plan doesn't work. Um, the the running joke about Marcel Brands that he has been uh, for not to, to, no pun intended that he's been branded with was the Kurt Zuma summer. Uh, we all remember. It feels like he just he he did not set up any other uh, outcome other than getting him and then it didn't work out and so you feel now like um there's there's a part of me that thinks well Broja's number the guy he still ultimately wants from a metric standpoint a statistical background standpoint I think that they look at him and think this is the most kind of similar profile to a kind of a Richarlison type that we could can acquire he's nowhere near where he's gonna be etc cetera, etc cetera. I think that's what he wants. And then um, you've got these other options there. They, they lost five players who were on loan uh, after Wembley. Uh, and we thought, speaking on the podcast, we thought they might get two or three back. And then we said they still need another eight to build a squad. So that was 11. So they have surpassed that. And I think they might end up at 19. And that is an element of a gamble to that for sure. But we, I think what surprised us and Forest fans is probably the ambition and the signings that they've gone for. I think uh, they've signed players like Lewis O'Brien and Harry Toffolo um, from Huddersfield. And we thought there'd be a, quite a lot of that sort of signing, good championship players who can make the step up. But now, they, you know, they, they've got in Jesse Lingard, obviously. Uh, they might sign Jose Maor from Leon, who's a good player. Dean Henderson's a great signing. So they've, they've and, uh, a guy called Moussa Niakati, I think, is going to be a, 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 
big established centre half by the end of the season. So it's probably the ambition and as much as the size of the of the checks that are being cashed that surprise people, but not the number of signings particularly. And people in Nottingham knew this was coming, and I think it's just taken others unawares in the media and perhaps fans outside of Nottingham just the scale of Forest business for sure. Yeah, absolutely, and I think. You know, the, the Jesse Lingard one is obviously the one which is the most high profile. I think Everton were linked to him. And, and being honest, I was quite happy that, that Everton left that alone, given the, the money that was being bandied around. But, you know, when I was looking through the, the list of signs before, when I knew I was, I was going to speak to you, I imagine what's probably quite encouraging for Forest fans is that the, the money you've spent on, or, or the big money you've spent, so people like Awanyi, uh, Williams, Dennis, Mangala, uh, Biasone, you know, they're, they're lads who were, you know, rattling the rages off 24, 21, 24, 24, 22. It's not as if you're sort of going in and spending money on players that you might not necessarily have any resale value on or players who may be on the downward in, in the Premier League career. A lot of these feel like dead sensible signings and, and maybe if a, if a couple of them go on to do really well, you can sell them on for a profit and reinvest in the squad. It, it feels like there's this sort of thinking behind what looks maybe looks like a, a pretty chaotic situation from the outside. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of signings who come in with the potential to grow with the club, hopefully, and maybe this season, if they can stay up, that's great. And then these players have another year in the Premier League and they and then you can finish a little bit higher. And like you say, you might sell one or two who have massive seasons. And then if they go down, you know, some of those players will leave, but then there's a few others there who you can stay and build around in an effort to get back up. I think Lingard's the outlier, really, amongst them. He's 29 and he's come in on big money, but it's a free transfer. So without the transfer fee attached, it's not as economically bad as people seem to think of it. And he might stay, he might go, but he, he's the one who doesn't really fit into the transfer mould. But he do need that little X factor and that bit of quality. And I think we've seen in the two games so far that he's not much fit, but he can be the player for us, need him to be. I can understand why other clubs will be put off by him, but as a promoted club, to land a player who's got 30 England caps and played in a World Cup four years ago, then, oh, well, you signed Deli Ali. I mean, it, it doesn't always work, but uh, it does encourage Forest fans and show that we think they're moving in the right direction for sure. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.